And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so you decided to start a business, or maybe you just started one, or maybe you've had one for a while. Whether you know it or not, you're going to have to figure out how to find the right talent at your business, your company, and it has everything to do with whether or not you're going to be successful. Now, while that sounds like a straightforward path, people, it is not. It is difficult to find the right people, and then oftentimes, you think you have and quickly realize you have not. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And I have a feeling that this will be a fun and spirited conversation. Before we get into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, which we'll probably talk about quite a bit in this episode. So I'm not gonna go too much further with that ad read. With me today, I've got Paul Rudolph and Paul defines himself as a business creator he is a podcast host. He is going to hate me for saying that he's a coach and consultant on some days. The zeros and ones say he is, but you know he does a lot of different things. He's also the host of the On Demand Paul podcast. Link in show notes, and I'll let you tell. I'll let him tell us more about himself after I say, Paul, welcome to Startup Hustle. Well, thanks for having me. Man, what a great intro because I'm a Kansas City native and that skyline. Yeah. Oh, bring yeah. me back. Um, you saw that, that that's the trailer for our upcoming web series, Start a Puzzle TV. We're getting fancy, man. We're going to try to try to, uh, by the way, don't ever create your own TV show. It's a lot of work. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I'll, I'm, much I'm sure I'll talk, I'll talk plenty about that, but yeah, we're getting ready to do that. But I'm glad that that gave you a little tingle. So Paul, give us your backstory, man. You just let us know you were from Kansas City. That's not where you currently live, but tell us all about yourself before we get into today's hot topic. Absolutely. So I'm Rock Chalk Jayhawk, KU grad, a um, couple duffel bags to New York City after college, went to go work for a big four accounting firm, Morgan Stanley, did the New York grind for a couple of years out to Phoenix, private equity, really started bouncing around, found out that I am not a corporate person. That is not where I belong. Um, and always trying to solve a problem, always like curious George wandering around and found myself in different situations and pretty much made myself into that consultant or coach. Um, and you mentioned, I, I don't like that term because I think that term gets uh, diluted these days because it it's is so a little easy. Played, yeah. Yeah, so easy to become these things, and, and people are selling a pyramid scheme on that. But nonetheless, um, done a lot of stuff for profit, nonprofit. What I'm really good at is understanding the variables of the business model. And where we are today is an amazing thing because one of the biggest financial constraints with the business model is the human resource. 
And now with technology, we connect business with people that have capabilities, fragment their time. And so people call it freelancing. I don't think there's anything free about it, but it's on-demand talent and you can make those connections and really it opens up the possibility for a lot of different types of businesses that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, my business full scale is in a similar space, not necessarily the quote freelance. And by the way, that's a good point. There's nothing free about a freelancer um, in many, in many ways. And that's part of what we'll talk about today. In some cases, use of freelancers can actually be more expensive because of the time that it takes to find vet and do other stuff, which is some of the things that you help people with and, and help them learn more about. Uh, you know, at FullScale, we uh, employ a bunch of uh, software and IT professionals, and we say what we do is rare. We are we specialize in recruiting, assessing, retaining, and employing. So, um, you know, with that, we do operate in a in a in a lane that is very specific, and it's that IT software primarily software development. Although we have creatives and, and QA and different stuff like that. Now, part of what you're talking about fans out across a whole wide variety of, of stuff. So so let's just start there. Like, what are some of the like, OK, I know it sounds very elementary, like what's a freelancer, but what are some of the more common, quote, freelance uh, contractors and people you can hire? Like, what do they actually do? Right. So um, this year, I actually set out for a goal to start 20 companies myself, except all of the execution was going to be done by different freelancers because I wanted to go through the experiment, the repetition, the iterations of finding different people on the different platforms. What is it like to find somebody to find the right person? And so what I've found by the end of this year is there's different places to go for different capabilities. And you got to think about it from a number of different perspectives. Um, but one is like, if I need data, because I'm, I'm a data junkie, I love living in spreadsheets, and I need to go scrape data. Um, for instance, as we're launching a restaurant next week here, it's a new restaurant concept. And I was curious to see what the price of every hamburger was in the east side of Cincinnati. So I got on Fiverr, I found a couple guys, they went and scraped hundreds of menus across Cincinnati. And now I have exactly every menu in Cincinnati in a spreadsheet. And I can do that. Um, another really quick example from a great success on Fiverr this year and in person. So it's not always about going just to one place. There's a, the right place is the combination of capabilities. So I needed pictures for my podcast and for my website. And I wanted to knock the background out so we could put some of the brand colors behind it. Well, I hired a really good photographer in person that knew how to ca capture that image. And then I went on to Fiverr and for $10 had 50 images, the background knocked out within 24 hours. And you just, some guy, he was in Bangladesh, could not have done that in the States at that speed, um, at that price. And so it all goes down to what I, I like to think about is assembly line for any type of business activity. And you got to think about different people at different places on that line, depending on what you're trying to produce. So, and, you know, I, I think it's fair that maybe not everybody has heard of Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. I've been using Fiverr so, since back to the point where things were actually all $5. Um, it's not 
all $5 anymore, uh, which I think is good for that platform because there's only so much you're going to be able to do for that. But Fiverr is just a mix of, I mean, it's really, uh, I, I love Fiverr. I've had a lot of success on it over the years. And like you mentioned, like uh, often, you know, it's, it's actually, they should maybe change their name to Sixer because uh, even their $5 offering comes out to six bucks now. But um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things like the original. So I, the original, uh, it's a great way to find people that are doing things and will also do it quickly. Um, now one of the things with finding a freelancer and I, uh, this, uh, so I mentioned at full scale, we do a number of different things, but we have a lot of different people in house. Like one of those is graphic design. And that's not that we do full-time graphic designers. It's that our clients are often in a spot where they need like two hours of graphic design. And the problem with that as a business owner is if you don't have a relationship with an existing designer, you might spend 10 hours trying to find someone to do two hours worth of work. And it really waters down your own, uh, like it creates a lot of opportunity costs. So some of that stuff, like you mentioned, like we do that in-house for just for that reason. Now, one of those places where we can get a pretty quick turnaround a lot of different stuff. We use it for a lot of different things uh, and, and, and have found success. Over the years, I've had people make me commercials. The original Startup Hustle audio podcast intro was created on Fiverr, which I think I honestly paid like 50 bucks for that. A lot of creative stuff, just like a lot of you know logos and things like that, because for five, six bucks a pop, you can afford to get 10 of them and pick which one you like the most. Um, right. One of the things I like about Fiverr too, is you don't have to interview or do anything like that. It's like, Hey, the, here's what I do. And they walk you through that process and they do a lot of different stuff. So yeah. And that's, and that, that's a real turnkey stuff. you mentioned that, you know, something that someone here might hear me in the U S might not touch for a certain rate. That's a great sale for the guy in Bangladesh. You know, and, and you'll find a lot of really willing service providers that want to do a great job. So, um, yeah, by the way, how, what, what, what did we come up with on hamburgers? Cause like, did, is there an average price? So 12, $12, if you want a really good burger for a hamburger. Oh man, we got good hamburgers oh, here. I mean, look, we don't have barbecue. We got Eli's, but we don't have barbecue like KC, but we got some good burgers. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm living tell the you where they, since, oh, go ahead. We live in a world where $12 for a hamburger, you know, yesterday was my daughter's sixth birthday and she wanted McDonald's. I went to McDonald's and it was 36 bucks for our family of four. I was like, good God, the days of this being affordable fast food are certainly past. But, they figured out how to yeah. split up the fragment, the pricing and you bring it all back together. Like what? Like, so, so what was, what was your cost, your actual cost in getting someone to do that? Like, what did you end up paying for that result? I think. I ended up paying, what was it? It was pennies per menu. It was like 15 cents a menu or something. It was somewhere, or maybe it was 25 cents a menu. Um, and, and really good guys mm -hmm. do this all the time. Like they've got the technology that they can mm -hmm. use OCR it, and then they know how to do it. And then the new yep. guys, you can see them. Um, and, and you brought up a really good point that, you know, people – get fearful and the, you know, sending our jobs over the globalization, but there's a great book called give work um, that, you know, puts a diff different perspective about how much that business does mean. And I had these conversations. I had one with the other day, the guy in Pakistan and, you know, he's trying to make enough money to take care of his family and they're going through the COVID thing. So I, I look at it as we're all kind of on the same Island. Um, and again, it's finding those different capabilities to your point of graphic design, I think that um, 
I really prefer the higher end graphic designers. Um, my number one graphic designers in Kansas city, Wills design. And, you know, we need that relationship on the go forward basis. There's other businesses now, um, that once we have the brand established and we know we need to create a bunch of ads or a bunch of different, you know, creative collateral, but we're very explicit in knowing where that's going to go. Now there's new forms of freelancer, um, aggregations like design pickle or Penji. And what they've done is they went to the found really good Fiverr guys right out there, put them all together. And then now for an un for one price, a flat price of like $450, $600, they have quote unquote unlimited graphic design. And they're pretty much being the middle person where you don't have to find the individual graphic designer. They're going to make sure they put you in front of somebody that knows what they're doing. And then once they're done with that first little project, they're right on to the next one. So still on that same topic, the Startup Hustle logo, which has been, I, we get compl have received compliments on for years. And, and in fact, when we have a real studio, we have a, a four foot wide uh, laser cut uh, illuminated sign based on it. So I, so that was, there's other options out there. You talk about design. Uh, we, I used a, a site called 99 designs, which is a slightly different approach, but still the still freelancer. So in that, in that case, they have different packages and you are setting up in air quotes here, a contest. So it's, it's crowdsourcing and, and, and a whole bunch. It's like, it's kind of like Highlander. There can be only one, in the end, meaning like you, they walk you through a process where someone is the winner and they get awarded that prize. Now, the more, the more you, the, the, the higher reward you get, the more people you will attract to design it. They have a ton of stuff now. And that's a, and that's a really interesting process because they kind of force you to narrow it down, pick the five you like the most, whatever. And you give feedback and people make, you know, and they, they keep it on a time schedule. You can determine when and how you need it. And, you know, overall, like that was a very, I thought that was an interesting and uh, I, I really found it to be useful process. Now, now with, as you mentioned, there are some things. So I'll give you an example, like, all right, so at full scale, we want a specific type of client. And some of the things we ask up front is we actually on many levels require that local talent exists with our clients. So they, we want our clients to have a lead developer, a product or a project manager um, and you know, you, one of those three, and we've learned that, that though, that, uh, preferably more cause there are, there, there is a level of, of communication and other stuff that you want everywhere. Now in regards to, to hiring, yeah, I look at myself as a global citizen, you know, like, uh, there's three over 300,000 open it jobs in the U S right now. And that means that they're unfillable, meaning like we don't have people to do the jobs. And that's why. This is why this global economy has become what it is. So, yeah, there's a lot of options, but yeah, there's a meaningful nature for what you're doing. I witnessed it firsthand with our employees in the Philippines, with some of which we've had for 10 years. So, um, it, there's a lot of honest, great people wanting to do a good job for you everywhere. So, if you can't find it, you, hey, a good entrepreneur finds what they need somewhere somehow. I, I've got two brothers in the Philippines that when I need something done in Zapier, they're my Zapier's guys. They're also, they yeah. know the G suite in and outs. And so if I have a problem in G suite, I'm calling Andrew or AJ 
and we're figuring out because we use loom so loom's a really cool technology it's a really quick capture yourself on the screen capture the screen and because we're working with people in all different time zones we can really have on-demand meetings instead of trying to find the right time in the middle of the night or the middle of the morning depending on where the sun is in the day um but even then it was you know that was the first time i'd ever worked with some guys in the philippines it was this year when I found Andrew and AJ. And, and that was a learning experience for me because culturally it's a different type of engagement than, you know, my buddy down here in Louisville. It, it's just a different dynamic. And I think, um, you know, going back to being able to find the talent, you know, there's again, a lot of different marketplaces and different approaches in which how much involvement that you'll have as a business owner. So if you're on the 99 designs or there's one called squad help that helps you actually create your brand name. Um, they, that's taken care of for you. Full scale. It's going to take care of for you. Uh, top towel. If you're looking for some top talent, um, they're getting a little bit wider with the range of services. You're going to have somebody that's going to walk you through and find somebody. Um, you know, if you need a front end UX designer, they, they've got some top people and they work on, typically 20 hour week basis and you line out the project. And, and that's, and that's where you'll find a difference with some of that. Cause you know, one of the things you talk about starting a lot of businesses, that's something I've done with and for myself and other people. And, you know, one thing you do need to consider is, uh, so I hear so many uh, founders or people that they're really concerned with preventing the sky from falling while not giving enough credence to what happens if things go well. So you can go out of business, you can also grow out of business. And there's, you know, and that's one of the things, so you mentioned some of these marketplaces and the difference between it. So at full scale, your, your developer works for you and only for you. You get it like full transparent, like that they don't, we don't. And the reason we do that is because you talk about part-time. Well, part-time is a big variable for a lot of people. And then one thing to consider, and this is like, you know, part of, of where you need to be is, well, you have time zones, you have culture differences. So, you know, like for example, we structure our schedule schedules around a morning or an afternoon overlap. So you're getting a couple hours where that communication occurs, but that can be a real issue for people that are on other sides of the planet, what they're doing. And then you also talk about cultural things. So, you know, here it, we have, we largely have Christian holidays here in the United States, which isn't the case. And so I've worked with, uh, I've worked with uh, freelancers from all over the world. And I learned this because I had some people in India um, and another team in Pakistan at one point, and I didn't even give consideration to the fact that I had put a product launch in the middle of, of Ramadan at one point, and they don't come to work during Ramadan. There's no change in that. And, and, you know, I hadn't even considered it because it wasn't something that's like, it's out of sight, out of mind. So like I had mentioned that and like the guy was like, you know, this isn't going to happen. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so some of that is, is, you know, you, you give some consideration to it. And there's also a different approach for de dealing with with uh, uh, some cultural issues. Cause uh, you know, like the way you present or give feedback or communicate, um, what might seem okay here might feel very rude to them or the other way around. So, and, and you know, really in the end, the, the important thing to remember is regardless of where people are, they are people, they, uh, they have lives, they have families. These are not just cogs and machines. Like, and I, I see a lot of people do that. Like, so full scale, it's just as important to us uh, that how you treat your team is how your how our team treats you. And, and I, I do see, I, there, there are some folks out there that, that don't, you know, like, like I said, 
people are going to want to do more for you when you are treating them with respect and you're, you feel like you're on the same team. So, you know, keep, keep that in mind because a lot of people do that and, you know, and it's, it's not a great approach. Um, now what let's, let's, so we talked about a couple of things that were going for, you know, like where some of these things exist and there are a ton of them. There's, there's a fit for what you're looking for. And I think it's important to look around and find the right fit, but give some consideration to where you are now and also where you want to be later. Now, part of the reason we don't do, we don't split developer time across two, two clients is if, either or both client do well, now we have a really tough situation where we have to argue about how to split the baby. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then it's tough because like when you know you have someone full time, now if you can afford that, that's a great approach. Um, you know, you know what to do there. And, you know, another thing is, is I think that one thing that some people don't consider is um, if you're really concerned about intellectual property and access to data and stuff like that, and you're hiring people that are outside the U.S., uh, you you don't have any recourse in a lot of these situations and places, uh, which means that if things don't go well and they just walk off with everything you've built, you, well, you might have to go to Bangladesh to try to resolve that, which you're not going to do, and you have to do it on their on and on their home turf. And you know that's like one of the things at Full Scale that's important that, to us and our clients is we give some. IP and other types of protection and assurance that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so speaking, I think this is a good segue into what are some things that you've learned? So if you've been dealing with freelancers in lots of different marketplaces and you've done a lot of it, you've had good experiences and you've had some bad ones. So what are some of the things that you've learned about identifying good freelancers or red flags for avoiding bad ones? That's right. So, um, the biggest number one thing in the process of going through this is make sure you've identified your problem as a business so you can find the right person. Now you have to go find that right person, right? And so as I go through the discovery process and, and, and really the search and discovery process, I developed six P's that I look for. And I, and I actually write these all down every time I go in to have that call once I think I have somebody or if I'm going through a list looking through people. And number one is their past. And, you know, what does their past look like? What type of projects have they done? Which gets me into the portfolio. You know, within graphic design, there's a lot of different graphic designers. And if you're looking for, you know, one to make you a brand and a logo, but they've just done a lot of print, that's not what you're looking for. So the portfolio is very important. And then it's the performance. And, you know, how have they been rated? And, and wonderfully, you know, with the technology we have now today and searching across different sites, you can look at their reviews and, and how that's been. The fourth one is process. And this is the biggest thing that m- almost every independent freelancers out there, and unfortunately they call themselves free because they think that being independent and free is a good thing. And Anybody who's been in that world knows it's the hardest place to be because you're wearing all the hats. And so what happens is the process that you have with a client might not be truly developed. And what I mean by that is it's on paper. It's in your head, yeah. But you got to be able to communicate that. And so when I'm working with a freelancer, I want to know that there's milestones that they've already thought of because they do this day in, day out. What is the process when they're going to deliver the value to me as a business? Um, the next thing is pipeline. 
You know, if I need to get it done next week, are they going to be able to do that? I want to be very clear on that expectations on how much work they have in their pipeline. And I'm cognizant of that. It's also something to look out for if you talk to somebody and they say like they're in high demand, but they can turn it around to you, you know, next week. And they've got like, it's got to match up when I'm looking for a good branding logo person. I usually want to be on their pipeline like a month or so out. I want to know that they have a lot of business and demand behind them. Um, and the last one's price, obviously. And, and the price, you know, the, the biggest thing here is again, um, is to really know what problem you're trying to solve and what that deliverable at the end of the day is going to look like and exactly what that price is going to be. And, you know, I think going through those six P's gets to be a guideline if you've never done it before, but even then it's difficult and, and it takes practice. And it's something usually that if you're a founder, you, you don't have time to practice. You don't have the iterations to practice. And that's where going to like a full scale in these models where we're seeing that there's essentially like a third party between you and the talent, it brings you a ton of benefit because they've already gone out and found the right people. You don't have to go through those misses. That takes time and money. And understanding what that process is going to be on the deliverable side, it's usually defined. A lot of times as the founders, business owners, you haven't done this before, so you don't even know what questions to ask sometimes. So it, it really brings yeah, in that. Well, that, that that's of solving. And, and, you know, the thing is, is, especially early stage business, you know, all you can do is all you can do. And, uh, you know, and this is very 101-ish, but, you know, well, all right. So I, I'm pretty open about the fact that I dropped out of five colleges. Um, and, but w at one of them, I really learned something good. And it was at, at a top 10 business school, actually. But it was really, it was opportunity costs. So opportunity costs is, I think a lot of people think they know what it means and then they really don't. But it's, it's described as the value of your foregone option, meaning how valuable is what you're choosing not to do. And everything you just mentioned all the way down the line, like some of these things become a remarkable time suck. Like I mentioned it earlier in the show, you need a graphic designer for two hours, but if you spend 10 hours trying to find one to do a two hour project, that's a 12 hour project. And then what's the value of your time? So I learned this pretty early when it came to freelancers and especially like offshore uh, people in general was to make sure that you are not, uh, you're not, uh, you know, watering down value proposition with your own time, you know, because what might say, oh, wow, this person doesn't get paid a whole lot. But if, it, if it's really time intensive on your side, then your, your value disappears rapidly. And I mean, rapidly. So uh, a couple of things I've learned with, when it comes to this, well, first off, communication. Uh, communication is vital. If you can't communicate with someone, it, it, it becomes very frustrating. And also, like, how do you really how do you really explain what and what you're trying to do and how you want to do it? Uh, now, communication now and 10 years ago when I first hired uh, my first offshore employee is remarkably different. You because, you know, the, to give you some context, that's when Skype had just come out. Like I remember someone saying, hey, you should check out this new thing called Skype. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, I can talk to someone around the world and for free. Whoa. And technology is awesome. You know, so a lot of things have come up and Zoom's help with that. Slack helps with that. But really in the end, uh, so like at full scale, that's the one thing we don't ever that if you if you can't communicate, you're a no go. 
like, cause it's, it's difficult. Um, other things like you mentioned, so, uh, the history now, if you're looking and, and, uh, you know, at the history and the workload. And so the history is, does this person have a favorable, a lot of these, a lot of these marketplaces, um, you can tell who's been doing a good job in them and who hasn't. And, and if you're going to hire someone that doesn't have a track record, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, or you're hiring people in marketplaces. One thing certain is you really, and honestly, and truly do not know if they're going to do a good job until they show up and do it. I've had this happen in just real, like local employees. Like I, I I'm not going to get too specific here, but I had a, I had a specific hire a few years ago that on paper was just the game changer. This person did not, they did a terrible job. They didn't last two months at the company. And, you know, so, so, you know, until someone shows up and does the job, you really don't know. And, and one difficult thing with some marketplaces is unfortunately you end up in a spot where you may have to hire five people hoping that one works out and that can be a challenge too. So, you know, now, hit the sweet spot, you get it right. It, it can also be a really great thing long-term, um, you know, and, and, and I think Paul, I think you really nailed it too. It's like, don't, uh, there's so many people out there and there's so many sources, whether it's full scale or Fiverr or whatever, you can find people that do that are experts and do well at what you want them to do. Uh, they're out there. So just cause someone says they can do it doesn't mean that they actually can't will. And on some levels, you end up paying them to learn how to do it. And uh, then, the, you know, I want to reiterate the price thing. I think when a lot of people first go out into freelance marketplaces and stuff, they get really enamored with the cheap. You usually get what you pay for. Um, and it's part of like with full scale, like with our offer, like we're, t we're top tier. It's hard to get a job at full scale. Like, and that's what we vet out is poor communication, lack people that don't have critical thinking skills. Like you get to certain, like with software, you get to point, you're solving problems like legitimate math and science problems with code. And you, there's a level of critical thinking and understanding that if it doesn't exist, you end up having to redo everything you've done at some point because you realize you've got a bunch of crap. And so really in the end, I, I wouldn't say that if you can find the, find the best people you can, regardless of how or when, like, that's probably like one of the cardinal rules and, and people violate it all the time. You know, they're like, oh, this person's really affordable. Well, you might get, you're getting what you pay for um, in many cases. So just like you said, know what you're getting into. I love the advice about knowing what problem you want to solve. If you haven't defined that, why would you expect someone to come work for you and be involved with you? that is going to solve the problem if you don't even if you can't even clearly state or know what it is so yeah it's it's yeah it gets back to you know going through and and, and as you're doing this process i i think where this all ends up is because i say where this all ends up we're in such an early part of this new way that the workforce is being fragmented and we're engaging the human resource in, in a different way. And, and it's going to keep going forward, especially now with the recession um, and people not being able to go back to full-time jobs and they're going to be able to have to find their way out there. Uh, again, I, I, I don't like the dependence of the corporate mindset. Like I said, I've never been a corporate person. There's a lot of de dependency there, but I've also found myself, you know, with a lot of anxiety and stress on the independent side. And that's where a lot of people find themselves now 
where I want us to shift towards is to an interdependent state. It's the paradigm of we, it's building teams. And where I think those teams arise in this conversation is I'm just going to use a simple 80-20 rule that 80% of the people out there that while you now have the opportunity to create income more based around your schedule, meaning you know, you're your own contractor, is going into certain companies. You know, another great example is Patina. Patina focuses on talent that is usually 25 years or more in industry. And so they're very specialized, highly knowledgeable talent. And when you go work for Patina, you're a W-2 for Patina. And you get all the benefits that you would have found in full-time employment, but it's the work lifestyle and the contractual engagement that you'd have as an independent freelancer. So it's, it's the best of both worlds. You have someone looking out for your back. You don't have to worry about wearing all the hats in your company. And what you can focus on is being able to deliver what you're, what you do best. That, that's very similar to our model, like meaning like our, the full scale employees, they are our employees. And because to really get the best people that want to stick around, you have to have some culture. There is that level of security. One thing we should probably talk or at least just mention that because when you, when you giving consideration to everything, so look, freelance freelancing in general, is is a part is, is like a, a part-time thing and they're usually short-term projects and one of the reasons that so many people so we get people that apply to full scale and they've done what they did for eight years and then you see a little uh, uh basically a failed track record of being a freelancer because here's the thing is as you mentioned wearing many hats is they got to go find business for themselves so if if you know and and that's that's a lot harder than uh, I think a lot of people think it is uh, you know client acquisition and all that I mean it's a it's a job and if it's something that you're not good at and you're not good at selling yourself then it it leads to some issues so you know that's it's uh, you know it when when it comes to a part time employee and by the way I'm not a fan of part time employees like that's not something I'm a huge a huge believer in if you're trying to build a bigger thing at your business and the reason is is when someone's part time you you are now you have now positioned yourself okay so Paul if you and I are going to race and I'm not saying that either one of us are fast let's say we're of equal foot speed but I give you a 50 yard head start on a hundred yard race, you should beat me. Right. But so. the, the, and that's, it's so, uh, and so, well, you know, I, you could put, we're getting, we might be getting old. I'd probably my, pull my, a hammy my before I catch up. At some you. point though. So you got the edge up so, on me there. <laughs> so the, the thing is, is when you have some part-time people, you have to keep in mind, you're, you're competing against a, likely a full-time job. You're also competing against other just stuff in general. So I'll give you an example of how a lot of, and I see this largely with people that have co-founders at their startup. So they're like, yeah, I got a co-founder and I think he's going to, he or she's going to make a huge difference. And I say, okay, well, tell me, well, well they're, they're a technical co-founder and I don't know how to write code. So I think they're going to do it. And they go on and on and on. I say, all right, so does this person have a family? Yeah, they've got three kids. So they have a full-time job. Yep. Okay. So now let's look at the reality of this. That person wakes up. They got to get kids ready, probably drop them off at school, do something like that. Then they go to a job all day, which they clock out at and they're happy to do go home. They eat dinner, they clean up, they're with their kids, whatever. And now we're at like nine o'clock and that's when that's the slice of the day that you're getting. Now, 
pardon my language here, but I do say this. I say you are getting the butthole of someone's day often at that point. And it's hey, it's it's true though. There's like no other hey, real way to explain it. I'll, I'll it, tell you my it's the it, my butthole story. Exactly. I love that you put it that yeah, way. I would, Paul, I would love to hear your butthole story. <laughs> and, and to the rest of the co-founders, I'm not saying that our glasses are buttholes, but um, I, I love that term because four years ago, almost five years ago, some friends and I started a digital eyewear company called Pupilbox. It's, it's these glasses. We I was heading up a pediatric healthcare coalition, working with schools, putting in dental clinics and other healthcare services, found out about the dangers of blue light. And this was very early on before people were really talking about blue light. We said, we got to go start and do a Kickstarter, do this company. And we had a successful Kickstarter, a lot of lessons learned there. Um, but as we moved the company forward, there wasn't much awareness in the market. But what was going on really now in hindsight is our plan was we had all had full-time gigs, and we are getting together at 7, 8 p.m. every Tuesday night in two different cities, all remotely, and trying to work at the end of that butthole hour of the day. And it's the three hours, and we get in, and we get enough done, but not quite enough, right? And we couldn't put the full energy because, folks, if you haven't done it yet, it ain't easy starting a business. It takes a lot of extra work than you could ever imagine, um, so yeah, I think going back to your point on the part-time employees, I think any human resource that you have an, a long-term engagement with the company, the enterprise, you want them fully engaged and fully incentivized to, to make sure that they're doing what's best for the company, which is usually giving the best to the customer. Yeah. And, you know, before we hit record, you actually mentioned that you saw the the, fu the future of freelancers for many gravitating more towards like the model that we built at full scale, which, by the way, is not the common model. It's not. Uh, yeah. There are other people that do what we do. But, uh, you know, we say we were created uh, for founders by founders because both my business partner and I, we will full scale started. We, we were our own clients and we still are. Um, so, so much of what we've done is to try to shake the, the bad qualities out of, of certain things when it comes to offshoring more specifically, because, you know, I'll give you some, I'll give you some perspective. We expect to interview a hundred people or have a hundred people enter our hiring process to hire anywhere from three to five of them. Like, so, you know, and that starts with us and, and this is why it's different, you know, so uh, and and Matt Watson, my my business partner, full scale. He so he's a technical uh, founder, and I'm not. Now we are both great at different things that when it comes to the assessment process. Um, but one of which that he's done is so we have 30 of our own of our own uh, assessment tests, and these are to test your skill. Now that doesn't tell you everything about someone. That just lets us get if you can't get a, a re, if you can't be in the top 20 percent of scoring on those, then quite honestly, you're not at the level that we want. So we do that excludes three out of four people right there. And then when some of them pass, then we put them through a multi-step, like they talk to multiple people about multiple things with multiple approaches for where we're at. So we're looking at things like, you know, answering hard questions, also like making them prove the technical answers that they may have given. So to prove they didn't cheat, and different stuff and like, you know, testing certain things, asking them theoretical questions and, and some levels also trying to frustrate them to see how they react, and what they, you know, what they have to say about all that. Because here's the thing, 
frustration is a part of innovation and not everybody handles it well, man. Like that you talk about critical thinking is another thing. So we talked about cultural stuff earlier. Now, in a lot of these countries that, that thrive on offshoring, it, in, the, in, the, in the country in general and in their culture, telling your boss no is not considered a wise thing to do. Now, and, and so the, the problem is, is that's resulted in a workforce of people that often are shy or uh, uh, resistant to speaking up. And, and I run into this all the time. I'd say, have you ever used an offshore developer? Yeah, we had, we, you know, we had a team here, we had a team there, and God, it was a shit show. And, you know, and like I said, well, tell me why. I said, well, we gave them specs and upon further review, it was our fault. We didn't really spec it out well, but they should have noticed that there was a problem. So it's the equivalent of like, Paul, if you were an architect and you gave me a blueprint and I'm a builder and I look at it, I'm like, oh man, this is going to fall over when we're done building it. Ah, but I should build it anyway because he asked me to do it. And so that, that, that causes a, a landslide of other crap that people deal with. So the critical thinking thing for us is paramount, like meaning like, and we have graphs and charts and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two week process at best. If you're, and that's, if you go quickly, uh, some other things we do is we have a technical assessment team. So we put you in front of someone that we know is a proven expert at what you do because you aren't faking it past that. You're not right. like, if you're an entrepreneur, I can sit down and talk to you for moments and I'll know pretty quickly whether you're legit or not. Like, I, it doesn't mean I, it doesn't mean anything other than like, I, you can just tell, you know, there's some questions you can ask that aren't just like, tell me what you've done. You know, you can just kind of get a feel for that pretty quickly. So, and, and that's, I think that's one of the hard parts with, with people, like we mentioned that don't have a lot of experience doing that, you know, like, cause you, you don't have the reps. It's like, I, I've I never been part of a human resource department. I've never been HR. True. I've yeah. never had to right. like, ask right. the questions. Am I just going to reverse the role of, mm. of, of an interview process? No, there's so much more to it than just asking what their strengths and weaknesses <clears> are. And yeah, yep. it's, it's tough. Yep. And that, those are some of the things we ask too. Like there's critical things like, and, and you know, you can like Google, like how to do a job interview. They don't, they, you won't even get the right questions then. Like I, we ask people like, what are you passionate about? Yeah. Like professionally, like what, what do you, what really interests you? So, and I'll throw some tech terms out here, but if you, if you're a quote PHP developer, but you are absolutely passionate about something else, then that something else is what you should be doing. That's what you should be pursuing. Right. That's where you're going to get the most output, the long, the longevity and the most creativity and all of it. Why? Because those people wake up, when you wake up getting to do something that you're passionate about, the, the world is filled with fresh air from the moment you get up. If it's just something you do, cause that's what you do. Like look at the job data here. Like if you start like 80% of people in America hate their job because they're not doing shit they're passionate about. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's that first few seconds when you wake up, before you open your eyes. What are you thinking about? And for me, I'm thinking about the fun thing I get to do today. I was video recording a chef and talking about food, and it's not what I'm really good at. But I, you know, it's it's part of being a founder. You, you sometimes got to do the thing that just makes sense. But it's like what I get to do today is have this podcast conversation. I've got Movember coming on later on my podcast. Um, 
and, and do all the different things and engage with people because what my purpose is. So I talk a lot about purpose in place of passion. My purpose is to help build these micro enterprises, interdependent economy. And the only way you do that in my mind is you get out there and you talk to people, you try a lot of things, but I get excited every day. And, and for other people that aren't excited, and that's what I talk a lot about, create work around life. You put life in the middle. What makes most sense to you? And now we have all these ways you can create income around that. It's going to be hard, but it's possible. So once again with me today, Paul Rudolph, also known as On Demand Paul. Check out his podcast. Go to ondemandpaul.com. Does a lot of great things with a lot of great businesses. And he went to the world's greatest university, Kansas University, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I always try to get a good KU reference in when just, I can. We just uh, do the rock. <laughs> We've done it before. That that's even less meaning meaningful to anybody that's never been around to to that's experience right. the people give us. We we're, we're there's not a whole lot to be passionate about in in the state of Kansas because most people don't know this. The Kansas City Chiefs are actually in Missouri. Um, so, you know, in the state of Kansas, you got the Kansas Jayhawks or the people that went to the other schools that hate the Kansas Jayhawks. Cause all we do is win, 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 unless it's football. We don't count Rich. that. We don't really like, does that's, KU have a football that's team? That's when we just talk about city, Kansas city. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll shift that so, conversation pro real quick. So I, I, I should probably open the chat. So, oh, someone said, I got a comment in here. So startup hustle TV. I'm, I'm pumped. And, and by the way, we are filming a web series. Uh, go to startuphustle.xyz and check it out and register. I was expecting a couple caption comments in here of, of usually anytime I make a comment about a team, I get a bunch of the other team. Um, so I end my episodes to start a puzzle with what I call the founders freestyle. So with that, Paul, I'm going to ask, what's the, what's a, what's some rapid fire, just general advice on based on today's subject that you could give any founder that's trying to grow, grow or start a business. I would say if you're a founder, there's three things you can just think about. It's your intentions, your resources, and your capabilities. You be really defined in your intentions in the short term and the long term. And so that you can think about how you're gonna utilize your resources. When you think about your capital, there's four forms of capital. It's your money, yes. Your time, you can't replace it. It's your social, it's that network you can leverage on. And it's yourself. And that self piece is gonna be the hardest piece that you're most likely gonna drain if you haven't put your expectations in the right place because it's mentally and physically tough and that's where you have to know your capabilities and so what are you really good at and for the things that you know you still need to get done for your business to set it up and you're not really good at it you don't have the capabilities you can go find that on-demand talent now and there's a lot of different ways to do it yeah and i'll parlay off that uh, do yourself a favor and and get out there and see what's up you know, like, I don't want to be the, the only per place you call. Thank you if we are. But honestly, I, I will be on the call, tell you, like, what else have you looked at? Because you got to know what's up. And there's a right situation for all of us. I'm not saying that the solution we offer at full scale is right for everyone. In fact, we turn down a lot of people that want to be clients because we can tell it's not the right fit. Um, now, with, in regards to fit, that's a two-way street. You want it to be a good fit for the person on the other side of the transaction as well. Otherwise, they ain't going to care not going to care or they're not going to show up or they're going to go or they're going to move you way down the priority line because other things come up 
Um, you know, when it, and here's the thing is, is much like Paul and I have talked about, there's a, there's a sea of people out there that are ready to help you win. And you got to go look for them. They're not going to come find you. And there's, like I said, lots of options. We're in this golden age of the marketplace. COVID has, has really accentuated that. Like, I mean, it, now, not in the short term, like meaning the months right after, but in the end, I mean, COVID on some levels did full scale a solid because it it drove people like the, the biggest uh, objection we would get when it came to a client. I like having everyone in the same room. That's not possible right now. So that put with that, it put a lot of people on the field. So there's this, uh, checks and balances evolution that's going on with a lot of this stuff. And on top of it, a lot of places, like a lot of people populating, there's more options. There's more people in some of these things. An empty marketplace is a useless marketplace. So, you know, but with that, a lot of people are, they're finding creative solutions and, you know, the, and, and they're out there. Um, really in the end, uh, you know, take your time. Uh, it's not about how fast it's about how well you do it. Fine. It's, uh, and we tell people that a lot cause they'll, they'll, uh, they'll say, well, you know, well, this isn't here. This doesn't exist. Okay. Well, let's, let's work on that. Cause you want to try to find long-term solutions now. And, and some of this, when it comes to finding talent and it's there, there are also remarkably short-term solutions, like things like fiber. Like, I mean, dude, it's hard to match that. And, uh, you know, like you can find certain gigs. Now I've got one guy on Fiverr that makes these cool little cartoon images of us. They're awesome. Yeah. And I, and I, we use them everywhere. We use them like for all of our C-suite, all of our podcast hosts, like so many different things. Like I've, I've made at least 50 purchases from this dude over, over a couple of years. It's funny. Cause I can, I can see other people have too occasionally. Cause I really recognize the guy's work. But you can go back to the well on some of these things and do a lot of neat stuff. And then also don't under undervalue things like we mentioned 99 designs. There's these like really creative ways to to get people into stuff. So, yeah, overall, uh, you got to go find it. It's up to you to determine how, if you're going to be successful and your willingness to figure out how to become successful is what really matters. So, Paul, thanks for joining me. Uh, I'll catch up with you next time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, and well, thanks for thanks for growing the mustache for the November people. I think that was a classy move. It was a pink beard last month, and we'll do it again it, next year. I, I, I'll ask for <laughs> questions on that and maybe post them on Instagram the day this comes out. So, I mean, right I'll on. catch up with you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.